This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining us for the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 115. I am just coming off of the Tiger King high that I was on watching this amazing new Netflix show. Have you seen it? I saw you tweeting about it with Jeffrey and, and Adam oh today. And, yep. and then I looked it up and then I decided doesn't really interest me to be honest no it would you have to watch it. i don't like it's the true crime funny. things i like just totally made up oh it's stuff. not really like oh i don't know if it's true crime at least the first couple episodes aren't true crime first couple episodes crime they're just hilarious entertainment so, yeah. is it a work of just watch fiction the, or no 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 it's real just watch the first two episodes okay just watch the first episode and see if you it like doesn't it. i bet it you definitely will. doesn't sound like the kind of thing that ray would watch that's for sure no, yeah, like I get it. Like, doesn't sound like the thing that my wife would watch either. My wife does not like this. Is not her deal. Yeah. But she saw some people talking about it, and she was like, "We should check this out." And I'm so glad we did. It's pretty. It's pretty awesome. Fair enough. Well, yep. all right. I will hey, anyway, that has to nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Yeah, nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But yeah, that's what's going on. So we are on episode 115. We have got not too much stuff. We've got probably a medium amount of things. We've got three releases as well as a rename. We've got a couple of bummer pieces of news about uh, Laracons around the world. Got a couple of tutorials and about four packages. So should be a should be a good one. Let's do it. Let's kick things awesome. off. Okay, sounds good. So um a couple of weeks ago, we actually had a little chat about 7.1.2, which was released to address a possible cross-site scripting related attack. Uh, and this was kind of going along with the new Blade components that were introduced in Laravel 7. Mm -hmm. However, we did not talk about all the other things that came out in 7.1. Um, so along with that, uh, Paul Redmond wrote a post about that. So we're going to look at those features. Okay, so... Route register API resource method. So last Raffin contributed an API resource convenience method to work with the new Laravel 7.x uh, caching. So he mentioned uh, the following in his PR description for the reason behind why he implemented this. So Laravel 7 has a new optimized routing implemented. Uh, this is with Symfony. And so route names are now more important and caching routes will break if naming collisions happen. So if you have two things that are named the same thing, it will break. So normally you can use route name posts resource so that you get things like posts.create, posts.update, posts.whatever. However, this is not possible with API resource. So he's proposing a change that will allow that to now happen. So it's just a convenience to replace this whole, I don't know if you've done this before, where you have to do resource and then you say only, and then you do index, show, whatever, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever. So instead of having to do that with the API resource, you can just do what you would have done if you weren't in an API layer, just in the regular like web.php mm -hmm. layer. And it will do that for you. So it'll... It'll handle it'll handle doing that. So that's nice. That's really nice. So it's a, if you're using APIs and you're um, also utilizing the front end, like if you're building an API backend and also kind of utilizing a different piece for the front end, um, this would this would be helpful for you. 
We also have a customized constrained table name. So Samuel Franca contributed the ability to pass a table name to the constrained method in the foreign ID column definition class. So here's one example from the test. So you have in your migration blueprint, foreign ID, team column ID, and it says constrained teams. So I honestly have no idea what that's doing. I think the constrained method was added fairly recently. I think it was part of Laravel 7 where previously, if you wanted to add foreign keys, you had to do table arrow foreign key arrow references arrow on and then that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think, references on, yep. I and think then you do like, you know. I think the constrained delete, method basically whatever. allows you to do that in a convention, like to follow the, the standard Laravel conventions. And, and just simplifies the whole thing. So you can say the column is team column ID and it's constrained on the on the teams table and it, and it scaffolds out the rest of the foreign key relationship. I'm, I'm pretty sure that is the case. Hmm. I bet you before, so like constrained before, just would kind of assume what it was, I'm, I'm guessing. And now you can pass in explicitly a table. Mm. Possibly. Maybe something like that. Maybe. Yeah. The PR implements sure are possibly either. for the developer to put the name of the table inside the constrained method. This feature helps in case of creating a foreign key using the constrained method, but having a column name not expected by Laravel convention. There you go. Interesting. Okay. We've got a couple other things. We've got fixed and null value injected from container in routes. This one is interesting to me. Bring the daemon option back to the qwork command. So this was something that caused us issues because if you had a job that was already set up like in Forge or something like that, right? And you deployed a new Laravel 7 app. When it went to deploy, if you already had a daemon flag on there, you would deploy your Laravel 7 app and then you'd say Q restart or, or yeah, Q restart. And your Q would go to restart, but when it tried, it would fail because the dash dash daemon option was by default now. So it would say right. you don't need a daemon option and it would fail. So you'd have to go in and recreate, you'd have to kill that worker and then have to recreate it. So now they brought the daemon worker or the daemon option back to the keyword command, probably exactly to handle this specific situation, right? Oops. Probably had a lot of people complaining about it. I was one of them. Sorry, <laughs> Muhammad. That was me. Okay. Yeah. looks like that's it for 7.1 uh, on and onward and upward. 7.2. Michael, what do we got? Indeed, 7.2, there was a HTTP client query string support was added and new timeout configuration options for the SMTP mail driver. We also had some other new features. Sean Check contributed the expects confirmation method on the pending command class that is used to test artisan commands, which makes assertions against expects questions much cleaner for you. Uh, as I mentioned, you've also got the mail driver timeout added. It's just a matter of adding a timeout to your config mail mailer configuration. And then the HTTP client query string support from EFARC CED contributed query string support, meaning you can pass second argument to HTTP GET, which will automatically build up a HTTP query for you. So that makes it much easier than having to do it, you know, where you would have to do it either manually with a question mark and the strings in there, or if you were using the HTTP underscore build underscore query method in PHP. So just tying that up and, and bringing a little bit of consistency into that side of the framework. So thanks to contributions from the community there. And um, note also that passing query parameters to the get method overrides any present in the URI. So it'll basically override anything that you've hmm. that you've put in nice. there. Okay. 
Um, so yeah, this, the second parameter will override anything that you pass in the first of the HTTP get methods. It's kind of, you can really like, it's so funny when they do this, like you literally have like a million options, right? I, I <laughs> It's like good. I guess it's good. For the most part, I think it's all good. Sometimes it can be confusing, I suppose. But it's like when you have, hey, you can pass a string. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Hey, you can pass an array. Sure, we'll figure that out. You can also pass it just in the first argument. Yeah, we'll do that too. Like it's yeah. it's really nice because it's super flexible and it kind of works with like however you want it to be. But it can have some of these weird side effects, right? Where it's like, hey, if you pass it in the first argument, but it also pass in the second argument, we're not we're going to ignore the first yeah. one. You know what I mean? So I think for the most part, I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Like it, it really, it feels nice that you can literally do it however you want. Yeah. But be confusing for some people. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. Hey, um, I feel like I recently saw somebody have a blog post about using these pending commands for testing something. Really, they made it's like made it really easier. I swear it's freak or something. Possibly. Freak van der I know that Freak has he did. tweeted he about pending about commands recently. recently. Yeah. I think it was part of the Malcoach course. He was talking about using yes. pending commands yes, that's to exactly avoid having or pending objects to avoid having you know methods that accept six parameters and if you want to change the 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 input of the third parameter you have to know what the defaults of the first three are and all that kind of stuff so oh man i gotta go flick that up now yeah that's speaking of uh i haven't bought that course yet or maybe i did i can't remember <laughs> isn't that sad i might have bought it i i think i remember remember anyway i i love stuff he's so good and actually he fits right like right in with like all the stuff i do because he uses uh php storm and all that so it's very you know right very down. same same mr mr van der Herten. yeah i don't know i've seen a few people more recently starting to use vim more and more yeah i haven't i don't know it's probably just because i don't i'm not paying attention like to that necessarily it's handy that frank uses that stuff but i don't like I don't know. I guess I'm not probably paying close enough attention. Like who? Like Caleb Porzio? No, he does the VS he Code. He does VS Code. Thing, right? and he's, he's just, he just released that whole He's heavy on, VS on the Code. VS Code. But I've seen Matt Matt Stauff has gone back to using Vim recently and Nuno's trying out Vim as well. So. Bro, I just talked to Stauffer like two days ago and he was on Storm. Was he? <laughs> yeah. Who knows, right? Like, it just depends. It, you know, these superhero people, it's like they just kind of use whatever they want for what, any particular project. So it's like if they if they want to use Vim, they use Vim. If they want to use PHP Storm, they want to use PHP Storm. And they have different reasons for using each one for a particular project, right? Yeah. I know the one that he was talking about. He's like, yeah, I wanted to do like the person I'm working with is changing their mind a lot. So I need to be able to refactor easily. And so PHP Storm works well for that. So mm-hmm. whatever. It does. It really is handy. It does make it, things easier. Yeah. For some stuff. For, for refactoring. I dig it. I dig it. Okay, so that's 7.2. Uh, good deal. I think we're done with that one. Mm. Awesome. Hey, have you used the HTTP client yet? I haven't, no, because we've still got ZTTP in our projects and I didn't really want to go through and, and swap everything over. Probably new stuff, we'll, we'll use the HTTP client and slowly phase out ZTTP for other things, but I don't want to, I'm not looking for things to go and change at the moment. I'm, I'm putting this out there for anybody who's listening. Got like a burning question I have been trying to figure out for a while. I'm going to have a talk with TJ Miller actually this next week after things settle down with all this stuff going on, everybody being crazy. Just about API stuff, like, and not even really necessarily API stuff, just making calls to first party or third party APIs and how is the best way to go about testing that. So I actually kind of was trying to get at this with Taylor the other day. 
I messaged him on Twitter, not messaged him, but tweeted him and was like, hey, how are you guys doing this sort of API layer testing when you're talking to like S3 and all these other all these other services on AWS, right? How are you doing that? Like, how are you making it? He's like, yeah, we just do it. Yeah. We just actually make real calls. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, that's not what I was looking for, really. I was like, <laughs> I wanted, do you want to do a I wanted the different answer. Test, then you hit the endpoints. Well, yeah, like at some point, right? At some point, but not for all of your tests. Nah, everything, always, done, do it. No, you want to. No, you want to rely. You're running up insane bills. Well, don't upload 10 gig files into S3 as part of your test. No, of course. Like in order to be able to like test everything, you got to be able to test everything, right? I mean, you can't just always hit the. Okay, all I'm saying is it's not always practical to just say hit the real thing all the time. You can't. You can't always do that. Why not? Because you can't. Like you have to. You might not have a test environment set up, or you might not. Maybe the API that you're talking to is legacy, and you don't. There is nothing on the other side that allows you to hit a test file. These are real world problems, Michael. These are not like, you know, I get to work with all the new shiny yeah. problems. No, I agree. I agree. You know what I mean? Like, what if you have a soap XML thing on the other side of that thing? Find like, something how else to talk big... to. <laughs> yeah, it's, right. I mean, that's, that's the question. That's yeah. the question I have. So we've got some novel ways to go about it, but we've at this HTTP client. It solves some of the problems that we have, but it doesn't solve all of them for sure. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I'm going to talk to TJ, see kind of what he's doing. I need to read Phil Sturgeon's Build APIs You Won't Hate. Maybe he'll have some words of knowledge for me. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not exactly sure. But if you happen to be one of these people, yeah. Okay. Okay. And sorry, I'm going to take one more second just to explain it for anybody who's listening. It's like, why is the problem? Okay. So here's the deal. Testing, no problem. Like in my unit tests, not a big deal. Even in my integration tests, like no problem. It's dusk tests and it's my actual when I'm locally testing something. Those are the things I have issue with. I, those are the only ones I really have a problem with. And that's what I'm trying to figure out because you don't have the convenience like when you do something like HTTP colon colon fake. Mm -hmm. You're not doing that when you're locally testing it live or even when you're doing your dusk tests. Like you don't, you don't do that. Like, so you either have to be hitting the real thing or you have to be hitting an endpoint that is fake. But if you don't have a test environment, like that you can just like, like you don't, if you don't have a Stripe thing where you could just pass in a test token instead of a live token and it hit a different sort of sandbox environment, mm -hmm. if you don't have that available, then what? Then what do you do? Uh, well, in those instances I've done, you can do snapshot testing. So you can use something like v PHP VCR or whatever it is, or you can, sure. or you've got the fixtures that you fetch yourself and you just say, you know, mock this thing and return the contents of this JSON file or whatever. Like I've done that in the past. If, yeah. And, you know, that certainly helps to speed things up. But at some point you have to have a test that actually hits the thing. Correct. You do. Yes, you do. Yep. You have to have that. So the thing that I'm, yeah, it's just a complex. So we're doing that. We're basically we're doing that with like the uh, snapshot testing, essentially. Mm -hmm. But then you can also have drift with those too. So like, how do you make sure that that stays consistent? Blah, blah, blah. It's a mess. Anyway, yes, moving on. Thank you, everybody, for listening to my little mini rant. Appreciate it. <laughs> Just some feedback. Hit me up. Okay, 7.3. All right. So the Laravel team released 7.3 yesterday. That would have been March 25th with the ability to use greater than... 4.0 versions of Ramsey UUID. So release of 7.2, a few patch releases are also available that we're going to briefly cover. So as we stated just a second ago, UUID version 4, Ben Ramsey's library, you can now use that in Laravel 7.3. It also supports 3.7 and greater than 4. Uh, so 
you can use either one of those. No problem. We also have some components. So Laravel 7.2.2 fixes a few blade component issues, notably the make component command now supports subdirectories, which it did not before. So you can include that. You can say PHP artisan make component navigation slash item. And it will, before it would have created components navigation slash item. And now it does view components navigation slash item and then views components navigation slash. Anyway, you can read it in here. It supports subdirectories now. Okay, there you go. Uh, we've also got this route naming issue that was fixed. So in Laravel 7, it introduced route, ca route caching speed improvements. But with that, there's been a couple issues with apps in the wild, as we've kind of discussed previously. Uh, so it, this sort of talks about uniqueness of route names. You can take a look at this if this is something you've had an issue with, but know that it's now fixed in 7.2.1. Mm. So there you go. So it looks like, I mean, it seems like there's been a couple things, two particular the the components right the view components the new sort of view blade components that we're dealing with not view components sorry blade components mm -hmm. let's just be clear here the blade components seem to have had a couple issues they're working out the kinks but that's fine and then also this route caching stuff has seemed to cause a few issues but it looks like they're getting them all ironed out so for those of you who were kind of waiting uh i don't want to jump on the bandwagon just yet i want to let everybody figure out all the bugs it seems like we're getting closer mm -hmm. like it seems like we're getting there some of these things that have kind of been like uh, a little bit annoying for other folks. They're they're getting it worked out. So yeah. now is a great time to jump on board and help figure out some of those yeah. problems. I think the, so, there, there were three different issues with the the route naming that mm -hmm. we hit pretty much all three of them <laughs> in one of our main applications, and we hit them. You know, as part of our testing, we hit them at the end of the day. And fortunately for us, by the time we got back to work the next day, Dries had had fixed them. So. Um, there was some. No, oh, they've been so on top yeah. of it, dude. It's amazing. There were some weird things in there as well. Really it good. wasn't just the naming of them and unique naming and things like that, but there was also like trailing slashes and it wasn't properly matching trailing slashes. Like if you had to find a route as yeah. slash user slash me, and then somewhere in your code you link to slash user slash me slash, you would get a 405 yeah. method not allowed because it it was not matching because of that trailing slash. So thankfully yep. that's been fixed now. Yeah. That's issue issue 32048, 32,048. Fix mm. that one. Yeah, no, like it's been crazy though. I put up a issue or something the other day and Dries was like right on top of it. And then Taylor came on. I'm like, man, like this is crazy that like, I don't know. It's just a lot of work to keep up with yeah. the issues that quickly. It's good, you know especially I mean? like, now they, that they're spread really across different time zones. It makes things that, you know, there's more coverage totally. now. So there's someone usually around, Absolutely. whether it's Muhammad or Dries or James or Taylor now. There's usually someone around yeah, they, most they do hours a really, really of the day good job. around the world. Yep. Uh, we also had this debacle here with this Laravel airlock. You want to talk about that a little bit? Laravel airlock. Yeah. Taylor tweeted uh, on I don't know, last week, the week before, that he had been approached by some company in Switzerland or something that they were going to yeah. sue him if he didn't change the name of airlock. And, and so he was looking for a different name of uh, for the project. And, you know, people said, well, why don't you fight it? And there's probably not enough case that, you know, they would actually be able to win that. And and Taylor's kind of like, do you want me to spend all my time fighting this, you know, company for the name of an open source project? Or do you want me to just keep making cool tools? That literally released like a couple, yeah. you know, a month ago or something, right? Yeah. And like, I, I jokingly said he should just call it Laravel Chalet because that would be a real <laughs> stick that up here, Switzerland. No, I'm joking. I love the Swiss. I love Switzerland. It's very nice there. But um, yeah, so the Laravel Airlock, which was the single page authentication 
package that Taylor released along with Laravel 7 has now been yep. renamed to Laravel Sanctum. And so everything else you know, behaves the same under the hood. If you try and install Laravel Airlock, it will come up in Composer that it has been abandoned and that you should use Laravel Sanctum instead. And we have in our article here um, steps that you need to take in order to update. So updating your Laravel Sanctum, or updating your Airlock dependency in Composer, renaming your configuration file, replacing any instances of Airlock environment variables, and things like that. It's a it's a straightforward change. It's it's a bit annoying, obviously, especially if you've been you've already started using it. But at the end of the day, it's it's just a name, and and we've updated it and we've moved on. And Taylor, I saw yesterday or the day before said he's already wrapped up the next thing that he's planning to release in the summer. So looking forward to that. Yeah, I I think he did. He kind of tease out. A pre- I don't know that he necessarily said what it he was. He threw something out there on Twitter. He didn't say what no. it was. He just put out an image. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't um, seen it. Hey, yeah, so two things. Number one, I am bummed because Airlock was a great name. My suggestion was Aperture. I thought that was a good Look, one. Look, some random Swiss company is going to come after him. Adobe's going to come after him. Yeah, Graham Campbell was like, bad idea. Yeah, I like, I like Graham. Graham. Graham Campbell. He's, uh, he's blunt. I do too. He's a great guy. Graham. Graham. And then the last thing I was going to say, just related to the Swiss, is what's the best part of uh, living in Switzerland? What is the best part of living in Switzerland? Well, the flag is a big plus. Damn it. Damn it, Jacob. <laughs> oh my gosh, your expression was amazing. That's that's the worst dad joke. It's horrible. But, it's, it works. but you can you can it's see horrible. my expression if you watch the yeah, replay of the live stream later on. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. Okay, hey, moving on. Uh so bummer news. Sorry, everybody. US twenty twenty was Delayed. No, just kidding. It was canceled. Sorry. I wanted to soften the blow. That was really rough news actually hearing this. This is like the only time of year I get to go and hang out with all the all my developer buddies. Not you this year, which would have sucked anyway, but now you don't have to have so much FOMO. That's right. I suppose. We can all miss out together. It was like a great venue and like it was awesome. It was going to be great. Uh, It was going to be really great. But it stinks. I, I totally get it, though. For anybody maybe saying like, oh, that's really that's really rough. I mean, here's the deal. If if the economy and everything else isn't enough to tell you how uncertain times are, it was also just a massive financial impact if Taylor would have waited to cancel this and then had to cancel it later. Yeah. So as it was, he he put this out there and I'm not putting it out there. He he did. So what he had said was if he cancels now, he's still going to be out 40 grand. Mm. 40 grand. And if he would have waited to cancel, there was the possibility of being up to 100 out 100 yeah. grand. Like, man, that sucks. That sucks so bad. So I'm I you know, I was hoping originally that maybe they'll put it online and sell online tickets and whatever. And everybody I feel like really the biggest reason I wanted to do that is it still would be terrible cuz the biggest reason I go to Laracon US is really just to see everybody, mm-hmm. right? Hang out and it's the networking and whatever. But at the very least, just to be able to help Taylor recoup some of yeah. that money, you know, we would have bought all the tickets just to just to say thanks for all mm-hmm. you do, and hopefully we get you get in that forty thousand dollars back. But at this point, they're not doing anything online with it, so I don't know. We we haven't heard anything further, but um, I mean, they've said there. It says this. This is the, this it. is the official yeah. announcement. Yeah, we have postponed Laracon US twenty twenty and are refunding all orders. We already got our refund. Uh, we have to. Order individually, so that might take a few days. We'll be back soon with news on our next steps, including a possible online event. So that may be mm-hmm. happening. So it may be happening. We'll see. Yeah, fingers we crossed. See. Oh, fingers on crossed. that note, 
Okay. Laracon EU yep. in Madrid has also cancelled their in-person event, and they will. They've already said that they're going to be going online. Um, so on the 16th of March, they put out a, a communication saying, you know, we're counting it, and that they will move the event online. I think it's going to be the end of end of May. Yeah. So yep. um, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be online. They're going to condense it down to a day. I think. Um, everyone that bought tickets will get refunded in full and they'll get discounts to the online tickets as well. At this stage, Laracon EU in Amsterdam will take place in September as scheduled. We're still umming and ahhing about AU. You know, it's uh, it's not going to be until November. You know, we weren't planning until, uh, we weren't planning to host it until November. But just with everything the way that it is and and the uncertainty, you know, whether or not people buy tickets, whether or not sponsors can commit any any money to anything really, other than keeping them themselves afloat and keeping their their people employed and things like that, with the way things are going, you know, it's it's hard. It's it's really hard to make any commitments. We don't know what the timeline of this virus is in terms of what's going to happen if if people do the right thing, if people don't do the right thing. It's it's a sticky situation. But, you know, heaps of events now have can cancelled their in-person, you know, conferences and things like that and are looking to move online. And, and you know, we're fortunate enough now that putting something online is is quite easy. And uh, <laughs> on that note, the next the next article that we have here is one from um, Ian mm-hmm. Landsman. <laughs> All these things run together really yeah. nicely. Ian Landsman um, and Eric Barnes, um, our fearless leader, have, have run Laracon online for the last, uh, three years now, I think it is. So Ian put together a really big comprehensive post on how they go about running the the online Laracon event. It was actually the fourth one they just did. So I'll read here. A few weeks yeah. ago, we completed our fourth installment of Laracon Online, an annual fully online conference for the Laravel PHP framework and related technologies. Each year, Laracon Online has over 4,000 paid attendees from over 100 countries. With the rise of COVID-19 and the cancellation of so many significant events, it seemed like the right time to write up how we pull off Laracon Online and how you can do the same. So, you know, that's something that that we're considering loosely um, for this year. It means that we'll get a better access to, to more speakers, obviously, because we don't have to pay the cost of, of flying people over and things like that and, and accommodating them here and, and things like that. So we will, as for, I can't speak for what's happening with, with Amsterdam, obviously Madrid and, and the U S have been canceled. Laravel live UK is, has been canceled. I don't think Laracon or Laravel, Laracon India, I think they're calling, I don't remember the, mm, they're doing, I don't uh, know if they've made know. any formal announcements about what they're doing at this stage um, and where. Uh, I feel like I heard that it was canceled. Yeah. I feel like I heard that, but I don't know. I don't know if I want to say that for sure. Cause it's like, maybe it's still going on. I'm yeah. Not sure. So not sure what's happening with. I know pretty much all of India right now is in a stay in shelter yeah. though. I'm pretty sure yeah. it's locked down. So yeah, I, I, I don't know for sure what they're doing and you know, we will consider our options. Obviously we've got sort of seven months to, to figure it out, but just in terms of getting everyone organized and getting venues organized and speakers and, you know, you don't know when people are going to be able to travel, if they're going to be able to travel. So, um, right. and whether or not a, an online conference even makes sense in our context, it's too hard to say at this stage. So if you have any sure. thoughts about that, those of you Australians who are listening, reach out. Let me know what you think. Awesome. Hey, we've got a uh, post here and this is like the only other tutorial we have. So we had the how we run Laracon online tutorial and then we've got this programmatically adding middleware to Laravel. 
now, I thought about not talking about this one, but I think it's interesting just because if you are a person who is relatively new to Laravel and you don't yet have your mind wrapped around what middleware is, this one isn't necessarily the one to tell you what middleware is, but it does tell you how you can utilize it in your application and how you can add it only to specific routes. So if your idea of middleware is you just go into your route service provider, I think, and they just apply globally, that's not the only way you can use them. So you can create your own custom middlewares. Maybe you'd say, why would I want to do that? This post will talk about a little bit of that. And then you can apply them to only specific routes or specific controllers or a couple different ways you can do that. So if you haven't yet taken the time to wrap your head around what middlewares are, how they work and how they can benefit you, maybe use this one as a jumping off point to kind of get some ideas. And then I think there's a couple other resources you can use to dig deeper. Maybe we'll throw some of those in the show notes or something. So that's all I really wanted to say about this one. If you don't know middlewares yet, take the time, invest a little bit of time in, in learning those and it'll serve you yeah. well. Uh, all we've really got left is packages here. So we've got keep track of model inventory with Laravel stock. We've got one about Google Sheets with Eloquent. Uh, and then we've got two new, they're not really packages. They're more like apps, I guess. Terminal is more like a package and then GitHub Mobile is an app. So uh, we can talk about those things. So uh, let's talk about keeping track of model inventory with Laravel stock. So Laravel stock is a package by abstract. Uh, Laravel stock is a package by abstract for keeping track of inventory counts on models. So uh, this package will track stock mutations for your models. So you can increase, decrease, clear, and set stock. It's also possible to check if a model is in stock for a certain time or date. For example, you have a book model with which you need to keep track of stock. You have a very simple API here where you can say book increase stock by an integer or decrease stock by an integer, or you can uh, change stock positively or negatively by just saying mutate stock and then adding a, and then putting in a, a positive 10 value there or, or a negative 10 value there. And then it also provides these nice methods like book in stock or book in stock and then Integer 10, and it'll tell you if you have 10 of that book in there. Uh, and then you can also say book clear stock or book clear stock of a certain integer. So if you're doing this in an application that you have, if you're kind of in uh, managing inventory, this would be a great little thing uh, for you to pull into your application so you don't have to rewrite it yourself. The API is really nice and they've done an excellent job on this. I'm sure it comes with lots of tests and all that other stuff as well. So a lot of the work done for you there. So thanks very much, Abstract. Appreciate it. Nice yeah. job. Okay, the next one is using Google Sheets with Eloquent. Let's talk about that. Eloquent Sheets is a package by Ed Grosvenor that lets you work with Google Sheets via Eloquent models. The package provides an Eloquent model that sits on top of a Google Sheet. In order for it to work, there are two things your sheets need to have. One is a heading row that holds the name of your columns. This defaults to the first row in the spreadsheet, but it can be any row in the sheet. And the other is a primary key column. Eloquent assumes that your primary key column is named ID. And if it's not set in your model, if it's not set it in your model like you normally would, so set the um, primary key property. If you take a look at the readme, it'll get your setup. And once you have generated a model class, it's it's pretty simple. It, you just have your class extends from a sheet model. You pass the spreadsheet ID as a protected property, the sheet ID as, uh, sorry, protected spreadsheet ID, the ID of the sheet within the spreadsheet. So if it's zero, one, two, whatever. And the header row, so it defaults to one, but setting it to anything else. With a Google Sheet model, you can use basic eloquent features. However, the model can only use read and list methods at this time. It doesn't allow you to write into that model. 
Um, but it certainly sounds like it'd be handy if you've got a, a remote sheet that you want to pull data out of and present it in a web page. You know, if you're dealing, we just talked about stock. If you're interacting with some third-party suppliers, stock spreadsheet, you might be able to pull things directly out of that and maybe sync it down into your own local database or present a, an interface to your users. So update and insert won't work, as I said, but the package does provide a way to read the sheet data and it, insert and update maybe something that gets added in the future. If you want to check that out, we'll have links to it in the show notes. Yeah, so I talked to Ed because we actually, he had a package on here the last time we had the the show. And um, Ed was one of the guys who went to our uh, Laravel uh, or Laracon online viewing. So I checked with him on how to pronounce his last name because I slaughtered it last time. It's Ed Grosvenor. Grosvenor. The, the S, S is silent. silent. Of course it is. Grosvenor. Yeah. And so this right here actually is sort of kind of like what Caleb Porzio was doing uh, a couple of weeks ago. He on Twitter had something about like using Google mm-hmm. Sheets. And so Ed, when he was down, was talking about, yeah, we're using Google Sheets and stuff. So this actually has Sushi as a dependency. So Caleb's Sushi package. So this is really just a super simple way to go ahead and pull in a sheet. You just spreadsheet ID, paste it in there. And now you have full access to that sheet. I feel like this is in particular really useful for like if you have something that's just kind of like a I don't want to say a toy app because this could really be very powerful. But if you have an organization that's already using like Google for their mail and for all of their docs and their sheets and stuff, this is like a really simple Nova almost, mm. right? It's just a back end, like a back end that you could utilize to allow people to update values and then uh, it'll automatically update here. So I think this also automatically busts the cache in the case that it updates on the Google Sheet. So this is this is really, really good stuff. So if you're interested in using Google Sheets as like a backend sort of data provider, this is a really cool package. Thanks, yeah. Ed. Nice job. Okay, we also have this other package called Terminal, which is an elegant wrapper around company process component. Uh, so it uses a nice fluent interface, which makes running terminal commands a breeze. So you say Terminal, colon, colon, in, and then you can provide the path that you actually want to run it in. You then provide the timeout, the retries, and then you can say run and then pass the actual command that you'd like to uh, run at that point. You also can, so like, for example, here, he's giving things like RMRF vendor, just like wipe out your entire vendor uh, directory if if you cared Mm -hmm. to do that, or if you were maybe compiling your JavaScript and stuff on the server, you could, you know, remove any temporary files that were no longer needed once you'd compile stuff. I'm not sure any, you know, sky's the limit here, any number of things you'd want to do. Uh, But it's like I said, it's got a really nice fluent interface, interface, as well as a ton of things that you would want to check. Like, was it okay? Did it come back successfully? How many, uh, how many lines of output did we get back? Uh, Did it throw? Uh, Do you want to throw? Is it still running? All of these sorts of things. So nice little wrapper around that. If this is something you think you might be interested in, check it out. And it uh, nice little write up here by Paul Redmond. Everyone's favorite human. Thanks, Paul. Everybody's favorite human. Everybody's literally everyone. Never met somebody in my life who was not like, yep, Paul Redmond, favorite guy ever. (laughs) Everyone, everyone, every single person. They all know who he is. Yep. GitHub Mobile is now available for iOS and Android. Announced on the 18th of March or thereabouts at Google Universe, Google uh, at, at GitHub Universe, GitHub announced a fully <laughs> native GitHub experience on both iOS and Android. Now you can stay in touch with your team, triage, triage issues, and even emerge code right from your mobile device anywhere. Today, both the iOS and Android versions of GitHub for mobile are out of beta and generally available. With GitHub Mobile 
app, you can review and merge pull requests, push notifications for pull requests and issues. Just what I need, more notifications in my life. Respond to comments yeah, on the sure. go, which is kind of handy. And then there's also the ability to review and merge pull requests. Um, the, the review experience and, and being yeah. able to read the code and that is actually really nice. I don't know if for it those is, of you yeah. who have used the GitHub mobile websites, not the best it's like you know some functionality is missing and you can't do some things and you can do others and whatever so um the app also incorporates github's new default web notification experience which means you'll get a consistent experience either at your desk or on the go with the mobile app for details about the new notifications experience you can check out the new from universe 2019 post on the github blog which we will link to in the show notes and and Paul notes in here that the original mobile interface wasn't awful, but commenting on pull requests was a bit cumbersome. So far, the native GitHub app yes, has been correct. a much better experience when I need to manage code reviews and issues on the go. Uh, we'll have links to the full announcement and some beautiful screenshots and more details in the show notes. Yeah, I've been using it and I really like I'm in my email and I'm just browsing and like, hey, there's a pull request that you were a part of that like you just click on it and just opens it up in the mobile app. It's really mm-hmm. nice. It's a good experience. Yeah. I was also looking through some of our community links, and there's some really good ones out there. So uh, let's see here. Low-cost scalable Laravel on AWS, testing listeners in Laravel uh, on using arrow functions in PHP 7.4 by Frake. That's really good. Uh, Writing readable PHP, decreasing indentation by returning early. That's a good one. So I was able to read through probably four or five of these. And most of these are are pretty quick reads. uh, But if you haven't in a while, just go scan those. People submit all the blog posts and articles that they're uh, writing on there. And there's some diamonds in the rough in there for sure. So good stuff. Mm-hmm. Check those out. Hey, I think that's it, man. We're, we're done. Yeah. Yep, we're done. I think that's all of the things. It's a bit after midnight here and I am ready to go to bed. Awesome. Take yourself to bed. I will. See us out. Yep. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. This is episode 115. If you like the show, you can find the show notes for it at podcast dot laravel-news.com slash 115. Uh, we love hearing from you, uh, contrary to what Eric and Michael were harassing me about the other day, because Eric got like some spam thing on Twitter. And Michael's like, well, Jake always says we love to hear from you. Yeah, we do. We actually do most of the time. I mean, unless you're spamming us, in which case we don't. But most of the time we do. So hit us up on Twitter at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, at Laravel News. And then, of course, if you like the show, we would really appreciate it if you'd give us a retweet when we tweet it out or share us with your friends. Or, as always, you can rate us up five stars in your podcatcher of choice. Very much appreciated. Hey, thanks, everyone. We will see you in two weeks. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And until then, stay indoors. Stay home. Stay home. All right. Bye. See you.